Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. We're your weekly comic book reading club. We're just like Sue Storm. We just love a good read. It's so fun to open up those fresh new pages. Sometimes they pop and stick together oh. and you say, that's a minty fresh magazine, my friend. Read a book today and it had that where the spine kind of sticks yeah, together and you have to, oh yeah. I always wonder when they're grading comics, uh-huh. is that what they look for in a 10? A 10? If Ooh. you're going to get a 9.9 or a 10, does it have to make that like yeah. really nice crispy pop when you open up page to page? Yeah, I don't it's know. It's like this has never been opened before. I don't know. Do you think when if you've got a potential 10 in front mm-hmm. of you and you're a grader, do you grade that comic harder than you you know, it's like it's supposed to be objective, right? Yeah, right. But I'm looking for anything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah, try yeah. and kill that 10. Yep. I have no idea. I would love to <laughs> pick their ears about the difference between a 9.8, a 9.9, and a 10. Because I've, I've got no clue. Yeah. I think, obviously, on a lot of 9.8s, there's a lot. There's just, like, a, the teeniest little crinkle. But right. it's like, these crinkles are to be expected. Right. <laughs> like, during the printing process, stuff like this just happens. Right. And then there are some that are just, like, immaculate and don't have any of those things. Um so I, I understand that there's something above a 9.8, theoretically. And it's, realistically, it happens sometimes. Right. But, um, yeah, I've got no concept of how they make those decisions or what sort of eye they look at them with. Yeah. Maybe this is something we can talk on the Patreon about, because as a... As a man with legs in two worlds, card <laughs> collecting and comic collecting, oh yeah, there is a world of difference between a ten graded card and a ten graded comic. Is that right? Because ten graded cards, that's that is that's the pretty ni- run of the mill. That is the nine point eight of the comic book world. Okay, like that is considered top of the line. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with something that's like a thicker stock cardboard, right? Yeah, yeah. so that kind of makes sense. And, and you know, if you take it out of a pack and you really don't touch it that much. Put it right into a top loader. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're, you know, your odds are good that if it's printed perfectly, yeah, that it'll be a 10. Whereas a comic, you, you know, it's got to go through a distributor. It's got to, there's a couple more hands touching it, you know, e- even, even if you get it like direct from Midtown or whatever. Yeah. Do you do any like uh, cataloging, like a CLZ with your uh, cards? I have. I, I don't have any graded cards or anything. Yeah. I've got a handful of like high end things, and I I had an app for a while that like you know like a CLZ but yeah. for cards. Uh, I think I got rid of it though. It do was you, just too much to keep up with. Do you do like gaming cards or like baseball sports cards? Uh, gaming, gaming. Yeah. Okay. MTG and Pokemon. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I um, collected sports cards for a good long time, and I once pulled a one out of five out of one of those little, I guess you'd call them, I think they're blister boxes, uh-huh. the boxes that have like five to ten packs of cards in them. Sure. And it's probably the best card I've ever pulled out of one of those. It was um, a lesser known player, so like honestly, it's like someone might buy it on eBay for $10 because it's 
um, a quirky thing to have. Sure. <laughs> if you collect that particular set or if you're like a St. Louis Cardinals fan and like love this guy who yeah. otherwise I don't know much about, but it was just kind of cool. Yeah. Cool to have it. I was immediately like, oh my God. And you went out and bought more, four more packs. <laughs> I need more. Yeah. That's how they get I'm you. I'm addicted now. That's how they get you. Um, so yeah, I've always thought about sending in cards for grading. Um, I want to say, so uh, CBCS is owned by the same company, if not owned outright by Beckett. Yeah. Um, who maybe is the premier card grader um i mean they're one of them okay the other one is um p pgx pgs yeah whatever something like that yeah and i think one of them might be affiliated with cgc now that would not shock me and i'm not sure which one it is but i think that they're all just competing on those same fronts i mean i've been getting a lot of um emails from cbcs that's like Send in this, and in that, 20% off card grading and comic book grading. Yeah. So it is nice that they're doing, like, all the stuff together. Yeah. Um, makes it seem a little easier to submit stuff that may have been daunting before. We should get Greg to submit his, uh, whatever that book was he brought in the other week that had the comic, the cards in the back. You know? <laughs> Remember? He, he had he had some sort of, like, comic know. in a poly bag. And it had trading oh, cards. It had trading in the cards back. in yeah. the back. I have some uh, old Magic the Gathering comic books yeah. that have cards inside of them. Uh-huh. Those and things are dope. I don't know if they're worth any money or not. They're probably like ten dollar comics if they're in good shape. I'm, but they're still poly bagged. So yeah, that's a tough thing with some of those poly bagged books. You just think like this is in good condition. I've never taken it out of the poly bag when in reality they can still get beat up in that poly. They bag. can still get really beat up in that. They were sitting around a KB toys for, yep. you know, a month and then you bought it out of a bargain bin um, and then stuffed it in a, my own bag and board, which is probably like pushing up against the poly bag, which sucks. Yeah. You got that. Oh, sorry, Ugh, you got that card imprinted on the back of your comic forever. Yeah, oh, I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> but which one is more important, the card or the comic? I don't know. Hard to decide. Probably cards. With those magic comics, probably yeah. the card. Probably the card. Well, as always, we're going to talk a little later in the episode about what we've been reading as of late, um, particularly first issues in some cases. But we're going to hit on a little comic news first and andy you told me a couple things yeah that were coming up i saw a couple of cool things um scott snyder and Raphael albuquerque who famously did uh american vampire together both both series right i mean uh, i would think so yeah or all three series did they do three series i know there's two volumes at least yeah um so they they're doing another series together on dark horse uh called duck and cover it's a post-apocalyptic horror series surprise surprise it's a horror show (laughs) scott snyder doing that and Raphael albuquerque (laughs) yeah um coming out on dark horse pretty soon obviously scott snyder big news yeah him going back to horror is i guess he's been doing horror from since he's been off dc mostly but yeah um I'm stoked about it. I I love Scott Snyder. I don't think I've read anything from him that I haven't liked. Um, The art really, I guess, 
because of what it is and who's drawing it really reminds me of like the wake mm-hmm. that um i loved that book yeah well that, that was a ended up being a futuristic book though I yeah guess. it was kind on, of post-apocalyptic it was on image yeah. yeah cool covers did they turn it into a show I remember it got, like, option. Yeah, they were talking about it. I'm showing Mike the covers of for Duck and Cover. Yeah, that looks cool. Those look neat. Yeah. So, pretty stoked. Looks really good. Yeah, and great art. It's going to be polished to a mirror shine, Ooh. I'm sure. So. <laughs> uh, Scott Snyder seems to be really liking Dark Horse, or whatever business involvement they've got going on um particularly i know he does a lot of comiXology originals Mm -hmm. has some sort of deal with them and those end up getting published on dark horse or through an imprint on dark horse or something yeah i think i mean the only thing that i can think of that i'm currently reading from him is noctera yeah and i know that that is that's on image Mm -hmm. um what's that to like 18 issues now yeah, like 16, 18, somewhere in there for sure. Yep. And t- two annuals? couple specials. specials. Yeah. Yep. Um, Blacktop Bill. One uh, of the coolest villains that I can remember in like the past five, ten years. Yeah. I just love the visual of a person who's like a walking silhouette. Yeah. If you haven't read the comics, he's got like this like, they call him Blacktop Bill because there's this like black as night asphalt sort of thing that's yeah. <laughs> like grafted to his skin and they're all like truck drivers yeah um but all you see is his grin when he smiles and he's got like a what a cowboy hat on too or something yeah he wears a hat he was wearing like a suit and like a bolo tie yeah, and stuff. yeah very cool like the the first time you see that character you're just like oh wow that's gonna stick in my brain yeah he's like he's uh like the the anti Joker uh-huh. almost, you know he like he strikes that same kind of visage, yeah. But instead of being like a literal clown, uh-huh. he's like <laughs> nothing there. You know he's more like the representative of what the Joker is on the inside. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think that obviously Scott famously wrote Batman Forever, and yeah. I think he probably pulled more than a little bit of the Joker into Blacktop Bill. Yeah. Great character, killer character design. Tony S. Daniels yeah. does all the art on those books. Ooh, they're good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, a very, very cool... I don't know if you can find it. I've never like Googled it or anything, but I backed Noctera on yeah. Kickstarter and got that... Oh, I didn't realize that was a Kickstarter book. Well, so they, they backed... It, it was just the first issue, uh-huh. um, way before they announced that it was coming out on Image, whatever, but they did a big oversized hardcover and... It's a script on one page and the, the lines on the other page. Mm. So you see basically the process. It's a process book. Yeah, right. right? Um, and it's very, very cool to see that compared to the finished product. Yeah. Like it's literally almost a step-by-step process of like how a comic comes together, yeah. how it gets made. That's rad. Yeah. So I don't know if those are like available and out there, but if you're like a process junkie, um, that's something that you might try and look at. Track one down, probably an eBay thing. Probably an eBay thing, <laughs> for sure. Um, what else did I have? I feel like I had one more thing. Well, you told me a very intriguing story idea 
which was that I think IDW or whoever publishes TMNT oh. <laughs> is doing a crossover with Stranger Things. Yes. That is the next TMNT crossover. Um, we've talked about... <laughs> we love talking about these crossovers on this show. They're just so out of control. I am generally not a fan of them. When I hear a crossover, I just think I'm skipping that immediately. Sure. Um, I love... This one, I think, is fun because it takes something... That's like, you think of people. Yeah. <laughs> like something like somewhat like based in like a sci-fi reality. Um, and another thing that's just like hokey jokey cartoony. Yeah. But the thing that they have in common is they're both like 80s to the max. <laughs> and yes. so that idea of throwing them together because they have that commonality and not just because like oh, these are two things from your childhood, like smash them together and we'll sell like a comic book we barely tried to yeah. make good. It was more just like, here's an idea that will sell some comics and we can do 20 covers per comic. <laughs> um, the, this one actually kind of like clicked a little bit in my brain as being like, oh, that that could be fun or i'm just like a little more interested in it than normal that really surprises me because this to me like i heard stranger things tmnt and instantly my head was like pass fuck that yeah. hard pass <laughs> but i bought all the other shit like uh -huh. batman tmnt um power rangers tmnt power rangers godzilla oh, like God. yeah <laughs> see you can <laughs> you hard pass all that stuff yeah I'm hard passing this. Yeah. I probably still won't buy it. I'm curious <laughs> I'm curious though. I am curious. Well, all right. I'll I'll kick in two bucks. Yeah. You, you kick in two bucks. We'll share a copy. And we'll share a copy of the first issue. Sounds good. To cover it here on our beloved first issue club. What else are we here for? <laughs> if not to tell you what first issues to uh smash or pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how those introductions are going to happen. Uh -huh. Because, like, to your point, right, if you've got Batman and TMNT, you can just, like, have Batman show up in yeah. TMNT. Right. You can just have the Power Rangers show up and give a power coin to Leonardo, and all of a sudden he's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Power Ranger. Power Ranger, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But, like, are the turtles going to Hawkins? Are are the kids taking a road trip and get sucked through a portal? Like well, in the what was it the second season? There was that story arc where Seven goes out of town, and I don't know that she ends up in New York. Oh, she goes to Chicago. She goes to Chicago. That's what it is. Yeah, and then she hangs out with some street toughs who are like a parody of punk rock kids. Yeah. <laughs> that... She is the eyeliner. Yeah, <laughs> she got like a goth for an episode. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, I was like almost like, okay, I'm out on this Stranger yeah. Things thing. I heard the third season was really good. I don't think I watched it though. I didn't even Have there it. been three seasons? There's been four. Have there been four? Okay, I haven't watched, I don't think I've watched the third or fourth. I did not watch the last season. Yeah. And the last season was the one everybody freaked out about. Yeah. I'll I'll have to catch up on it at some point. Yeah. Um, but- the Upside Down is 
is it an alternate dimension or is it like a physical space? Because if we're in a uh, in a world that already has alternate dimensions in it, I mean, they could just open a pothole on the street and it's an alternate dimension oh. entrance to TMNT land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe they like pull a nightmare before Christmas. Yeah. And they go to like, like the upside down's like a hub world. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh huh. And the kids are there. And Did you they... ever read The Magicians? I, I watched the show. Was it like a Lev Grossman thing? Yeah, I watched the show. They had, um, I don't know if the show had the same concept, but there was like a hub world where that had like a bunch of wells. Yeah. And every well you jumped into was like another planet or. Right. Land or something. Plane of existence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what they'll do. Yeah. That at least sounds like, I guess, reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should be writing this. Uh, IDW. Hey, 10 minutes into the conversation and we're already pitching back and forth some golden ideas. It's true. IDW hit me up. <laughs> I could write the hell out of a Tremors comic book series. I've said it for years. Mm, <laughs> has there ever been a Tremors comic? I have yet to find one. But if it exists... Please, someone let me know. Kevin Bacon, first appearance. <laughs> first appearance in comics. First appearance in comics. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what else on that? Oh, I, I did also pull up um, Cover Price's weekly top 10. Hell yeah. Um, I could do this every week. <laughs> on, I know, man. On our podcast, but then we would just be shirking Cover Price every week. So we do it once every, like, Three four months, we pull this up and just talk about some of the comics that are on the list when it's when it strikes us as interesting. Yeah, but it was fun to see um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark comic sneak into the top ten. At, yeah, at, given last place at number ten, but um, the new Indiana Jones movie obviously driving hype for that one. Unless there's so, another reason you know of, not that I'm aware of. That's a book I bought for like three ninety nine or something. Do you have a favorite uh, Indiana Jones movie? Last Crusade. Last is Crusade's my favorite. a good one. I love the back and forth with him and Sean Connery. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't beat it. <laughs> uh, all right. New uh, New Agents of Atlas, that War of the Realms like oh. tie-in that they did. Okay. Had a bunch of... I think this one had like several first appearances in it. Okay. Because it was they put the team together of all... The um, I guess Asian characters uh-huh. from different Asian countries. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what the deal is, but it, that's the one with like Amadeus Cho and um, as uh, Spitfire in that. Yep. Yep. And Luna Snow was maybe introduced. Uh-huh. Is that what the deal is? Sure. She was like a K-pop star. Yeah. And there's been rumors. Going around that one of the girls from Blackpink or someone else could be cast to sure. to play this, which you get a K-pop star involved in an MCU movie, and Vargas is there day one, <laughs> and people are going people are going bonkers. So that book, uh, Raw Near Mint, is twenty four bucks, which which huh. isn't bad. Uh, nine eight CGCs uh, approaching around a hundred. Wow, these are the things that I think I have in my collection and. You would have asked me like a month ago if that was something I would have sent to CGC. I would have been like, no. Yeah. But now I'm like, "Ah, maybe I send that. Right. Because if this just keeps 
whirlwinding. Or, or have you already missed? It. Have you already missed the bandwagon? Like I, if it if it comes out in this email, yeah, you're already too late, right? Probably. But you never know. It's true. If a movie actually comes out, then uh, then we're in business. That's true. The sickness number one. Have you ever heard of this? This was something I hadn't heard of. This that just came out, right? It must have. It's like a 2023 book. Um, I thought that came out in like June. Yeah. It's an indie book, Uncivilized Comics. Have you ever heard of them? Uh-uh. I haven't even heard of that publisher. Just received a lot of good reviews. Okay. Um, high sale of 27 bucks for a raw copy. Good um, for them. Yeah, I think that's another thing with um, sometimes you have a small pub and a book that just like really resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. And those smaller pub books are just hard to get your hands on. So This is a, a book I almost pulled the trigger on uh just for the cover because the cover's so striking it's yeah. got the title really big in like really stylized like cursive yes and it's like a 1950s suburban street but in the middle of the street is somebody beating someone to death with a baseball bat yeah right very striking very cover. very striking cover mm-hmm. so uh, the next couple, not very surprising. Ultimate Fallout Four, you what? know, you know why. <laughs> All Star Superman one, obviously got two copies of that. The uh, oh, do you really? Uh-huh. Nice. Um, the the funny thing is with this one, uh, near mint fair market value is eight bucks. Yep, on that comic, <laughs> a CGC nine point eight sold for a hundred and seventy five dollars recently. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There's tons of copies of these. Yeah. But how many 9.8s are there? But how many 9.8s are yeah. there? Yeah. Um, but James Gunn, yeah, doing that movie. Yep. This was like a 2005 comic, which I think there is something to be said about having comics from around 2005 in good condition. Because there was a lull or a period of t- in time in which people thought comics were going to die off. Yeah. And it was around then. Yep. <laughs> well, and, and so a lot of people were like, anything that was going to be worth anything has come out. Why are we taking care of comics anymore? Yeah. But, you know, the other side of that, too, is that time, whatever, call it, yeah, 2005 to 2010. Yeah. There's some, sl- I mean, slam dunk comics coming out in that time frame. Yeah. Like, that's that's right before New 52 for DC. So that's like... Is that Final Crisis time? Yeah, Final Crisis mm-hmm. was 2007, I think. Yeah. That's Civil War for Marvel. Yep. Um, I mean, huge, huge. A lot of big stunt things with, yeah. like, creators who would go on to become, yeah, like, every everybody who's reading comics, like, household names. Yeah. It, it's a lot of stuff that's being adapted now. Yes. Was was released in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um. And on top of that, you had the whole like, oh, is is Marvel gonna die? And that's also right before Iron Man came out, the movie, because yeah, right. that was two thousand eight, I mm-hmm. want to say. So, I'm sure print runs were a lot lower then. Yep. On top of big, you know, slam dunk modern classic events. Yeah. Perfect you storm. Of, you ever think about if Iron Man would have like just completely flopped? Oh yeah, what would have what would have happened with the MCU? 
would they have just been like, fuck it? Or would they have still worked their way towards an Avengers movie at that point? You know, I don't know. I don't know if they were so committed to it that they were like, we're going to make this thing happen. I don't know. The Edward Norton Hulk movie yeah. was part of that, and that's the one that always people kind of always forget about or brush off. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate that movie. I thought it was fine. No, it was fine. I liked the Ang Lee Hulk movie, so... Oh, I hate despised that one, but I should probably watch it again because it's been a long time. If you can appreciate it as the most comic book adaptation, yeah, you could possibly I get mean, out of they, a movie. They visualize panels. Yeah, in it. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, it is the most comic book you can have a movie. I be. need to go back and maybe watch it through a lens of like this is supposed to be a little on the nose, maybe. Yeah. Um. Maybe maybe that would be a great bonus patreon our our commentary yeah, on hulk yeah we should do that sometime dope uh i own it hell yes we'll do a watch party over here um okay spawn one no surprise we know why sure um spider-man seven that top secret umberto ramos yep. variant still going strong uh cgc 98 sold for 145 bucks I have a CGC, or I don't have a CG, I have a CBCS 9.8, signed by Dan Slott. Ugh. <laughs> uh, the Hulk annual number one. This, uh, I mean, somebody explained it to me. It's got to be the first appearance uh, of the eldest. Probably. That's got to be the reason. But yeah, this is, what, what was the CGC, what did I say, 50 bucks? And not for a 9.8? Uh, 40. Wild. This, I mean, this book yeah. came out. Two months ago, a month ago, that's um. People have it. They don't have a CGC one track, so a a, a raw copy sold for forty bucks. Bananas. Um, but yeah, so the most recent book of Incredible Hulk number two that came out. Uh huh. Um, no way. Oh, just solicitations. Um, suggested that the eldest is going to be a major player in the upcoming storyline. Okay. So we know we're going to see more of that character, at least now. So more people are like, I need to get my hands on that weird annual. <laughs> I I guess I'm that, glad I got that weird annual. That It just confused me because it was like a number one that barely said annual on the cover. Yeah. And then the next week, the number one came out. Yeah. And so it was like... I just understand a lot of people missing that issue because it was a confusing week, confusing yeah. cover. I bought it because David Pepos wrote it. And, yeah. And the premise was awesome. I still haven't read it. I it's, need to I need to catch up on it. It's a lot of fun. I am I, I don't know if I talked about this last time on the show, but I am I'm trying to catch up as much as I can with my backlog. I had two short boxes of uh Raw comics that were unread. Thanks, Zelda. Uh, two weeks ago, because of <laughs> uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and um, now I'm down to like one short box and some change. Oh, nice! So I'm really catching up, making progress. Yeah. Did you get uh, the Hulk number one? I did. Nice. Yeah, you'll like it. So yeah, th- this has been this is one of my favorite things. As as stressful as it is being that backed up in comics, it's amazing to be able to read two or three issues in a row. Oh, yeah. Just because all the stories resonate with me that much more. Yeah. The thing I'm screwed on is my indie books that I gave a zero a shot on. No, sorry, not a zero. A number one a shot on. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, 
the previews for this are at like issue five now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so like I'm going to be hunting for these if I want to buy them. So I'll, yeah. there's a ton of books now that I'm like, I'll have to get it in trade or I'll just forget about it until the show comes out until the show. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so who knows? They'll, they'll probably be and I'll talk about this. Uh, this was something I did with a comic. I just read uh, two omnis on low Rick Remender's low. Great book. Um, I bought the first issue, got backlogged a little bit when, by the time I read it, it was issue five was in stores yeah. or was on pre-order and I just never caught up on buying the floppies. Yeah. And I knew I knew I'd love that book. Um, and the Omnis went on sale on Midtown like a f- handful of months ago. So I bought volume one and volume two for 25 bucks each. Hell yeah. Read them while I was on vacay last week. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, uh, I just saw that they're doing a 10th anniversary of Black Science. In oh, a, really? In an Omni. That's probably something I'm going to pick up. Yeah, cool. Because uh, I read the first trade of that. Yep. And obviously, I mean, it's hits that fear agent low, yeah. like that Rick Remender sci-fi thing just right on the head. Yep. Love that book. Never finished it. So, mm. But uh, yeah, I recommend low. Um, Anything Rick Remender sci-fi. Yeah. Tokyo Ghost. Did you read Tokyo, Tokyo Ghost? Ghost was fantastic. Yeah. I love that book. That was one I considered sending that one in for grading just because it was a book that I loved. Uh-huh. I think I have two covers for the first issue. I got both covers for it, each yeah. issue. Yeah. There, so good. There's some rad, rad covers yeah. for that. So dope. Uh, 2099 number one is comic number two on the Movers and Shakers list. Wild. <laughs> just because of Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, CGC 9-8 sold for 172 bucks this past week. That That is your dollar bin dive. That is nuts, like, isn't it? Because tell me you can't find a Spider-Man 2099 oh, for sure. in a dollar At bin. a half-price book, yeah. definitely. For sure. Um, yeah, these places where they don't know to or care to dig through tons of boxes every week to be like, we got to pull those out. Well, and, and Spider-Man 2099, until three years ago when that movie came out and he got teased, was a dollar book. Yeah. Like... Right. <laughs> that was a nothing book for a long time. Um, all right, and then the last weird one is, so the the number one book is Star Wars Doctor Afra thirty three. Is that is that a, a reappearance of that of a Jedi? Like from the movie, like she shows back up. Uh, or no. Yeah, th- I think that's right. Uh, Isla Secur- Sakura. Yeah, I think Does she, that sound familiar. I think this, she was a Jedi in the movies. Yeah, and survived Order sixty six. Yeah, and this book kind of like retcons her origin or something. Okay. Um, so for whatever reason, I don't know. People are into this book. Sure. <laughs> is it a special? Is it a certain cover, or is it just the A? It's just the A. Okay, sure. Not the they start their synopsis with this book isn't a key issue retailer incentive incentive or store exclusive, and there aren't any rumors about the character in live action projects. Her death was retconned in a previous issue, allowing her to return to spotlight on this gorgeous cover. There we so go. So this was 
an unveiling that this character is now back. Got it. Okay. Um, 25 bucks for a raw copy of this one. Pretty new. People aren't grading it yet, so we don't know yet, but um, this is big one. time buzz. Go to your store and find it. Because so? I guarantee you this is sitting on shelves everywhere. Yep. For stores that don't do Star Wars. Yeah, you know, right. This is sitting on a shelf somewhere for sure. Um, one of the other things that I was wondering if this was going to pop up on any lists, um, but Nomona was that graphic novel that one of the gals who worked on Lumberjanes, I want to say, did. Sure. Um, I can't remember what her name is. In Noel Noel, Ste- Noel Stevenson. Noel yeah. Steve- Stevenson. Um, uh, and I remember buying that just because I heard it was really good. It's for a younger audience, but I saw it at like a um, recovery sales place we have in Kansas City for just like five ten bucks, and yeah. I was like, I should read this, and I enjoyed it. And now it's a cartoon oh, on, okay. on Netflix, and people are really digging it. Um. So I yeah I didn't know if that was one of those things where like first prints of the graphic novel are gonna be like popping off or selling on eBay or anything. I haven't seen any buzz surrounding that. Yeah. I just don't think there's a as much of a collector's mindset for for trades for trade especially yeah. like indie trades. Yeah, it's tougher to get people to buy into like a first print of a trade. Yeah, you know, even if they are like a limited thing, yep. you know, um, the om- omnis surprisingly hold their value. Yeah, um, and sometimes there are like interesting, weird covers or slipcases that make make some sort of aftermarket for them. Yeah, but it's I think it's very rare. It, and the, you know, that's something that's always surprised me uh, about this hobby that we know and love so well. Um, because you, you say before you shit on something. Well, so you get something like, <laughs> like let, me, let me say first that I love all this. I stuff. do. I love it. I love it very much. But <laughs> like, tell me why my original printing of Arkham Asylum, yeah, isn't like a fifty dollar hardcover, right? You know, mm-hmm. or like Dark Knight Returns. You know, yeah. They they made those beautiful hardcovers and like they're impossible to find yeah but they're still twenty dollar thirty dollar trades yep i don't get it yeah it's it's bizarre there are some books that i have gotten in in omnis or trades that were like dirt cheap used and other ones that are just like impossible to find and yeah and people only sell them on like if you go to amazon to try to find a deal on a used copy it's like there are no new copies yeah so everyone selling one used is just like 150 dollars for this like 70 page book right (laughs) and i'm like god i want to read it i don't want to do it digitally because i want to like look at the big beautiful artwork yeah. and have it in my collection and reference it if I want to like get to doodling on my own. Yeah. Especially omnis. Yeah. Like when they do oversized omnis. Yeah. I really want that physical thing. Yeah. yeah. The the low omnis were huge. Yeah. Like an extra an image normally does like a pretty standard size of omni. Uh-huh. 
but this was like I don't know if you can see it over there, but next to my like paper girls, yeah. um, it's like a good two inches taller than those like saga paper girls outcast um yep. collected editions. Yeah. Beautiful artwork. I mean the artwork in those are just like very loose and painterly and yep. there's some gorgeous stuff. Yep. I should say we're I'm promoting low a lot. Very graphic comic. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It is not for children. Yeah. But it is very good. Yep. Um yeah, I love it when they do oversized stuff. Like uh um I I am currently in the process of acquiring all of the uh Hackslash Omnis that, oh, they, yeah. that they're reprinting. Uh-huh. Um Tim Seeley's doing Kickstarters for them. Cool. But they're printing them in oversize. So yeah. they're like the your lows. Yeah. You know, a little bit taller, a little bit bigger. Show off the art a little bit more. Yeah, and they're right great. On. I love them. That's great. Yeah. Ooh, 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 baby. <laughs> all right. Was that all the uh, introductory information we had before we get into? That's all the news I had. Some comic combo. All the news that's fit to podcast about. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, other than low, Mike D. Yep. What are you reading? Uh, this week I read. A comic called Swan Song. You oh, yeah. Kn- you know anything about it? or It's in my pull box. Hey. <laughs> at Clint's. All right. Um, so W. Maxwell Prince is the writer for this who has written Ice Cream Man. Aha. And this is another, I think it's a mini, okay. but I think it follows a similar format to an Ice Cream Man or a... Um, ha ha got it stuff like that wherein you've got it's it's actually more akin to um silver coin was that the name of that yeah horror anthology book yeah where each issue was its own story but it followed ostensibly the the silver coin showed yeah. up in each yeah this is like the opposite concept wherein in silver coin a different writer writes to um Michael Walsh's art. Correct. Yep. In this, um, Maxwell, W. Maxwell Prince is writing every issue and has a different artist doing different storylines. That's dope. And every one is like a different story about the end of the world. Nice. <laughs> I love that. And this first first issue was Martin Simmons. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Department of Truth, baby. Department of Truth artist has this really wild, like, dirty style that's like, it. I love it. It just feels so, like, grimy but beautiful. It reminded me of the first time I saw um, uh, Ben Templesmith. Okay, yeah. You know, where it's like, kind of, it borders that line between, like, a genius and like a five-year-old could do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like yeah, right. it hits that line yeah. right on there. Both those dudes do. There there are certain um comics that Martin Simmons has done that I've been like I have a little bit of a hard time differentiating characters oh, yeah. for a while. Oh yeah. Um but he's definitely gotten really good at giving each character like a really iconic look and feel mm-hmm. or some sort of accessory that makes them pop out 
yeah, uh, really well. Um, obviously, the character who's like the um, Department of Truth woman with the sunglasses on and the X's for eyes is yeah. very striking. Yep. And then you've got the guy with the upside down American flag hat. Yep. And otherwise, everything is just like a lot of neutral tones splashed on a page and streaky. Yeah. Um, but some of the black suits, I'm like, no, who's that guy again? Yeah. <laughs> but to your point, he always does let like um, um, Cole, the main character yeah. in Department of Truth, uh, wears glasses. Yes. So even in a really thick rimmed glasses, yeah. and you're like, there's Cole. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes he'll he'll do like just everybody in suits all looks the same, but he'll do like Cole's glasses as like stark white. Yeah. So right. it's like I don't know who anybody else is, but I know that's Cole. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, he did a lot of New Mutants covers, and yeah. I loved that because when I think New Mutants, Bill Sinkowitz yep. is one of the first artists I think of, and his style really reminds me of Sinkowitz. Yep, for sure. Um, but in any case, beautiful comic. This one in particular was about a guy at the end of the world. There's like a kind of a doomsday clock sort of thing that's counting down and his therapist that he was working with for a long time told him to concentrate on the little problems and he's obsessed with getting this magazine to read to his mom uh, because they've read through all these anthologies of this gardening magazine together and there's one issue they're missing and so he's focused on that. Meanwhile, the like world is falling to pieces around him. And it was just like, I don't know, like a really interesting like inner dialogue of this guy and all his hangups and the things that he was working on with himself and uh, his relationship with his mother. Yeah. You know, surrounded by chaos that he just kind of attuned out. So there was just a handful of things you could take from it, both like grim and negative yeah and like a beautiful you know is it is it a philosophy or is it like a bad coping mechanism like right. we don't know but like there was some beauty in it too yeah um and then the preview for the next book uh i'll show you if i can zoom out of the page here just because it goes to show you how striking of a difference. Like, here's some of the Martin Simmons pages. Yeah. A lot of reds and purples and oranges. Yep. And... Yeah, a lot of those neutral tones. Yep. Oh, and then yep. the next issue is Casper Wingard. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, these their two styles could not be more different. Yeah. And this looks to be... Um, the end... It says, the title is End of a Marriage... Oh yeah, um, but and they it's look got, like two like medieval warriors, and it's like two two medieval warriors, <laughs> and um, you know this could be. There's only been one issue out, and maybe I interpreted it wrong initially. That um, it's just swan songs for like a bunch of different things. Sure, like their last day together as a couple is maybe the next one, as opposed to the end, end of, of all board. things. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's yeah. a, I mean, that's a cool concept for a, a book. Yeah. Like more, uh, it, the book doesn't have a story. The story is the theme. Yeah, right. You know? I find myself really gravitating towards books like this long term. Um, 
and hopefully this is this would this would be one that I would love if it turned into a more ongoing thing if it finds success or sells enough. Sure. Um, just because it is difficult to keep up with your floppy comics like month to month and remember the story or through line without like a really great recap of yeah. what had been happening in the story. And these you can just pick up and see. You know, it's I know it's an art uh, a writer I like. And they're doing something different with a different artist, which is interesting. And they're telling these like really cool one-off stories um, that I appreciate. So, um, I I love stuff like this. This I, is like insta buy for me. I wish this was a format that the big two would embrace more. Because mm-hmm. DC's doing a book right now called Batman: Brave and the Bold. Yeah, and it takes the opposite approach where it gives you like. Four stories mm-hmm. featuring four different mainstream DC characters. Yeah. And all the stories are interesting, but like I have to buy six copy, you know, like you have to buy six comic books to read one story. Yeah. Right. Instead of just doing them one story at a time in an anthology format. Yep. And I, I wish that they would have done it that way. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess they do that because it's easier for me to drop a $6 comic Mm -hmm. if I get to a story I don't like. Yep, right. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, so many $6 and $7 comics lately. Dude. That's been killing me. And Moon Knight 25 is a $10 book. Woof. Yeah. Um. What else do you read? Anything else? No, um, but I was looking forward to reading a couple of the night terrors books that came out this week and just seeing what that's all about. And then there was like, um, Al Ewing is writing some Spider-Man venom crossover book. I can't remember the title of it. I can't, but is that the, the, I like Al Ewing a lot. So I'm interested in reading one. That's the like summer symbiote stuff. It's like web of carnage or something. It's yeah. I don't know. There is, there is like an, Extreme Venomverse. Death of Venomverse. That's the, Cullen Venomverse. Bu- that's the Cullen Bunn book, I know for sure. But I love that Cullen Bunn's writing another Marvel comic. I want Marvel to hire Cullen Bunn just to write stuff. He did this interview where he outlined or talked about a series that he wanted to write called The Macabre Moon Knight. Uh-huh. And it's like he got to do some of it in that in that uh Moon Knight run that Warren Ellis started. Yes. Um but man, I want to read a Cullen Bunn horror themed Moon Knight story. Yeah. I want to read it so bad. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um well, while you're looking Oh, okay, you got I, it. Yes, and I was confused by this because there's a new cover and it's called it's called Marvel Zero, but what it actually is is a deluxe edition collecting Marvel's twenty twenty three free comic book day titles. Ah, okay. So I would have been pissed. Yes. If I would have bought this digitally to read it for yeah, I almost did because I was like, oh, what's this written by Al Ewing? Cool. <laughs> they maybe didn't do the listing of that as well as they could have. Yeah. Because it looked like it was an original first issue from on first blush. 
Well, I'll be purchasing that, I'm sure, once I forget that that's what it is. Yeah. Um. So I didn't read any first issues. I'm moving into my house, so I haven't been able to make it to the store in yep. a couple weeks. Busy week. But I did finally catch up on Captain America Cold War. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give everybody a little uh, update about that story um, and how it might lead into the new Captain America number one. Cold, did Cold War end? Cold War it ended. Okay. And Cap 750, which is like the capstone <clears throat> issue of this story, uh, came out last week. Yeah. Haven't read it yet. But so Cold War um, is kind of the culmination of the two parallel Captain America books yep. that I've been running. There's Symbol of Truth and Sentinel of Liberty. Yeah. And Symbol of Truth is Sam Wilson. Sentinel of Liberty is Steve Rogers. Yep. Um, they started off with Captain America Zero, told a story where the two captains kind of teamed up, and then they kind of went their own way. Um, Sam Wilson found himself um, in Wakanda, uh, kind of f- fighting off this revolution that was started by a guy named White Wolf. Yep. And Steve Rogers is investigating, I, I talked about on the show a little bit, the Outer Circle the this shadow organization that's been trying to uh control the entire world for the better part of like a hundred years. I think that double page spread I have in the middle yes. is from the book that's the first appearance of that secret organization. Yes. That's that's from Captain America Zero, I believe. Yeah. Uh your double page spread. Uh and I'm very jealous of it. Oh my God. It's <laughs> such a cool page, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, for anyone out there wondering, it's the one where 1897 or whatever is in the background, super big in yeah, the sky. Yeah, and the sky has like the date or year really yeah. large, um, which it looks like it says 1922. Yeah. So at the time the book came out in 2022, they were like 100, 100 years ago. 100 years ago, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah, so two Captain Americas are kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, in cold war and towards the end of the story you find out that this has been a machination of the inner circle the whole time both both ongoing storylines yeah and on top of that you have bucky barnes who has joined the inner circle he has been canoodling behind everybody's back the inner circle Captain America, the other Captain America, everybody, yeah, in order to bring this whole thing down, in order to yeah. to, to make sure everybody's safe. So, um, Ian Rogers, uh, Captain America's son from the Rick Remender. This is just the Rick Remender episode <laughs> from the Rick Remender Captain America run, where he's trapped in Dimension Z. Yeah, makes a return. Baron Zemo's got him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Zemo's biological son. Yes. Uh, makes a return and he comes back because the whole plot is that they're um, the inner circle or white wolf is opening up dimension Z to the world yeah. in order to take it over. Cause all the creatures from dimension Z come in um, and he's the only one who can control it. Well, Ian Rogers being a Zemo can sit on the throne and control all these creatures and uh... control Zemo world. <laughs> right. Better. Right. Whatever. So the whole point of this 
my ramblings here are this is like the ultimate spy series to me. Yeah. Right. Because I've been reading these books for over a year now and it just now like the pieces fell together Uh that these books were in fact interconnected the whole time. Yeah. And on top of that, there was like, bouncing between the books were connections that I never made. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's it was like the ultimate, like... Especially this, when you're reading monthlies. Yeah. It's really hard to pick up those little hints. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It, I mean, it was just so clever. I, I can't remember the last time. I'm sure somebody has done something like this before with a Batman or, a you know, an Iron Man or whatever. Yep. But I can't remember the last time... I put down that like oh, big Omega book and I was like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> um, it just, it just blew me away how these two different, cause there were two different creative teams. Yeah. These weren't the same guys writing these desperate Captain America books. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if, if anybody out there is, is a big fan of spy comics or Captain America comics, um, I think this is definitely one to pick up because I'm sure Marvel's going to do an Omni. Yeah. I, I I hope they do an Omni um, with the the stories back, back to back, and, forth, and yeah. then and then um, Cold War at the end. Yep. Um, it was just it was just great, and then at the end to see you know them setting up the future with uh, Sharon Carter as mm-hmm. the Destroyer, and I'm pretty sure. Um, with all the illusions that Sam Wilson was making that he's going back to being the Falcon. Yeah. Um, you know, Ian Rogers is back in play. Bucky Barnes is, you know, has taken a different role, mm-hmm. um, much more of a like conniving, uh, he, he does the wrong thing for the right reasons. Yeah. Like a, like a punisher almost, yeah. you know, where he's like, he he was a villain for for the majority of this series, yep. and then at the end he's like, "Hold on, I know you think I'm an asshole, uh-huh. but I did it for the right reason." I was playing the game. Yeah, I was playing the game exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like they kind of tell him that in the first uh, issue that kicks off that council. Yeah. That like, here's what a seat at our table can really do for you. Yeah. And you play the game right. And I think when they brought him on, they were like, "This will be a guy we can." manipulate yeah really well but he ends up and manipulating he, yeah, them which exactly is like right. so great yeah because I, I didn't see i didn't see any of it coming yeah. i guess that's why i'm so jazzed about it <laughs> um you know anytime something as hokey as a comic and on top of that a captain america comic like does it get more hokey than that uh-huh. um anytime it can really uh pull one over on you yeah. i think they've done something absolutely correct yep so i would i would also love to see these collected in um something i loved when they collected house of x and powers of x together yeah and just let you read those back to back in the actual reading order yeah because that's another thing that like was frustrating going back for a reread in the marvel app because yeah you have house of x one through six or whatever it was and then powers of x one through whatever that series went to. I think they both went to six. Six. Yeah, I think that's right. But you got to like 
jump out of that series, go find the other series. Yeah. Remember which one it's because some of them weren't like necessarily back to back. Yeah, like, it wasn't one and one and two. Here's and two. yeah, House of X four, then House of X five, then you're gonna read Powers of X four, and then yeah. <laughs> so it's like figuring out the reading out app uh order and going back and forth in the app was just a pain in the ass. I would love to see more of this like back and forth sort of stuff. Yeah. Collected into a uh, singular storyline or if they could do better reading order suggestions in unlimited yeah that would be fantastic if it was like okay we plucked the books that connect for you right yeah and, or if you owned all of them already if you yeah. could just be like recommended reading orders you yeah. know, pu- push a button and it was yep. recommended reading order and this would be great if that was just like if they treated unlimited almost like a spotify oh yeah and was just like hey you can follow people who make reading orders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like or or lists. Reading lists, yeah. And that could be like, you know, your top ten favorite Captain America stories. Yeah. And I could follow you and I could read that list. That would be dope. Or I could browse, you know, correct reading order for Sentinel of Liberty yeah. and Symbol uh, of Truth. Symbol of Truth and just have those all stacked the way they're supposed to be. Would yeah. be great. Yeah. They, yeah, they do do that sometimes. You know, I'm thinking of my um, Planet Hulk Omni because mm-hmm. the prelude to Planet Hulk was took place over like four or five different series. You know, it's like yeah. the Spider-Man issue and there was whatever. Yeah, they should. I God, I hope they do it with this because <laughs> it really blew me away. Yeah. So that's all I got. I'll come back next week once I make it to the store with some actual number ones, but... Yeah, I think, and I was in Wisconsin this past week, too, so I didn't get as much reading done as I normally do, aside from, I was reading graphic novels. Yeah. I also read Stone Fruit. I don't know if you've ever read... uh, Never heard of it. Stone Fruit. I really enjoyed that. Um, But we'll be back next week, having become very well read in more and more first issues, and uh, we'll see what you think then. Listen to the song after the episode ends. It tells you where to find us. Perfect. Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.